Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I just, I just want to say I recognize your presence here. We as a people, we recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. Maybe some of us feel it in different ways, but you are here. One, you're here because you said you will be when two or three are gathered, but you're here, we feel you tangibly. So Holy Spirit, I'm just, I'm just declaring once again, let, let, let me, let I get out of the way and Holy Spirit, that your anointing would cause my weak words to pierce hearts. That your anointing would, would burn on the hearts of your people today in, wh- in whichever way you want this message to touch your people. I'm asking, Lord, that we would feel your heart every step of the way as we ponder creation, as we ponder Genesis 2 and 3, as we ponder you bringing us back to that garden experience. Holy Spirit, this is all for you. You get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, so yeah, if you guys have been here the past few weeks, we've been on this theme, like we've been saying on this theme of Back to the Garden. And Donnie has already um, talked about several things in life before the garden. And so uh, I'm just going to continue in that vein. And um, to be honest, a lot of the scriptures that I'm going to be going over today um, are some of the same scriptures that Donnie has gone through, but I'm just going to hit them from maybe a little bit different perspective. Um, it's amazing how much you can get out of God's word within one uh, passage while all staying in the context, not adding anything to scripture, but it's amazing what will happen when you just keep pondering that. In the same way, you know how um, in the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it literally says the gospel according to Matthew. The gospel according to Mark and according to John. It's all the same gospel, talking of the same truth, but it's viewed through a different perspective. So sometimes you see things that you didn't see in Matthew or something like that. And so this is all this is. This is me coming today with some of the same scriptures that Donnie has gone over. Um, I'm literally just going to read the word, kind of like I did last time. I'm just going to read the word and elaborate. I've been meditating all week on Genesis 2 and 3. It's been so much fun. I tell you, I have never, some of the things have been what I'm learning in this class, but other things have been God just revealing his heart to me. Um, I've never seen so much. I mean, how, how many of us have probably read through Genesis 1 through 3 over our lifetime a whole lot of times, right? We, we want to start the Bible in a year type thing. And where do we start? Genesis 1, Gen, we read creation. And it's so easy, even as a minister of the gospel, it's so easy to grow numb to certain truths. It's so easy to just read over it and just continue. And one thing that I just want to encourage is like, let's not rush, right? Like I've been literally just pondering just, just, a, just a, a short couple passages of scripture this week, and it's been so fun. And God has, has literally enlightened me on something, and I'm seeing creation like I've never seen before. Um, so with that said, um, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 16. And now I normally read out of the ESV, sometimes the New King James Version. Today, uh, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. And um, I was just reading through this translation. I just kind of like the way it put it. 
And so I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. Now, I'm already passing. I'm, I'm just, just to recap, I'm, I'm not going to go back to like him creating and speaking everything into existence. This is right when God is about to command Adam not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay? So let's, let's read this. So Genesis 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man... You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, so it's like, so you have God. He creates this amazing, amazing atmosphere, this place, this landscape, this. I was thinking like, you know how it talks about he made the trees that are pleasant to the eye and they're good for food and you know, uh, Eve would, would be tempted by that and end up sinning with it. But, but still, God is into beauty. Like he's into like, uh, like just think about, you know, sometimes I've gone on, um, on, on the road with Donnie when he does estimates or something. And I'm amazed at some of the houses and the neighborhood that, that he quotes and he does paint jobs for. Some, one that I've been to myself and I'm just like, I'm like, you know, watching myself because we're with a client and I'm like, just, just amazed. I'm like this, oh my goodness. Like my house can fit in their screen room and then some or something it feels like, you know, but, but my point of that is man makes that like weak and fallen man makes that. What does it look like when God makes something? I mean, oh my gosh, like forever and ever, we're going to be, we're going to have a home and a house that God made. I love when he says, I was looking for a city was that Abraham looking for a city whose builder and maker was God? I, th- I can't remember. I think that is. The book of Hebrews. Okay, there you go. There you go. Exactly. Thank you, sir. Book of Hebrews, looking for a city. So God has the ability just to make amazing things, you know? And so he, he's, he's saying all this, and he's looking around. He says, Adam, come here, son. It's, it's almost like when, I, when I'm playing in the yard with my kids, and, and this is not, like, God's commands are meant to help us. They're not to meant to be burdened. If I'm playing in the yard with my kids, I'm going to say, guys, you can have all of this. But you see that street right there? Don't go in that street. Because the day you go on that street, it could kill you. Right? You see, you, see, you see the heart of a good father saying, now, he had to put the tree in there. For years, that was always my question. Like, why did you put the tree in there then? But the point is, is he didn't make robots. He he made human beings in his likeness who he wanted to give a choice because love necessitates a choice. You must have a choice if it's real love. Anyways, that's a side note. So he, he puts them in the garden and he says, you can have this all, Adam. It's all for you. Tree of life, eat as much as you want. Because he doesn't, he doesn't take them out to not eat that until later. Once he was in that condition of sin, now he has to banish him from the tree of life. Because before, the only tree he said not to eat from was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And where I want to go this entire time, and I'm going to keep going in scripture, but I want to emphasize like what happens. It says that you will certainly die. So if we're reading this the first time with no pre-understanding of scripture, and we open the Bible and we're reading Genesis and we're and, and so we're seeing it play out. We're seeing the narrative play out, right? And we're like, oh no, they ate it. And I mean, we're waiting for them to just croak over and die, right? That that's what we're thinking, because God said, and He doesn't lie, God said, in the day you eat of that tree, you're gonna die. 
They eat of the tree later. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but they don't die. And we know that they die spiritually. They would later on die. So wait, they do die. I don't want to say that. There was a death that took place. God said it. He speaks right. There was a death that took place. And we're going to get into that as we keep going because I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Oh, this is the part I love. I was, oh, I was meditating on it this week and I mean this past week and God showed me something that I've never seen before. So in verse um, 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now check this out. You would think that right when he says that, he goes straight into creating Eve, putting Adam to sleep, taking Eve out of his rib, but he doesn't. He goes from saying, it's not good for man to be alone, I'm gonna make a helper suitable for him, he starts bringing the animals to Adam to be named. And so imagine Adam there, and the animals are coming, and however it looks, I don't know, we can only use our holy imagination, right? Just kind of just picturing things because the Bible's kind of silent on them. We don't know the details. So imagine Adam there. He has the privilege, just side note, like it said whatever he named him, that was its name. Like God didn't even like have any suggestions. Wait, Adam, are you sure you want to name that one a lion? I mean, or zebra or, or I don't know how, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's lions in heaven already. I don't know. But you get what I'm saying? Like whatever name he named him, that was its name. He just gave him full, like, this is you, Adam. Whatever you want to name them, that's going to be its name. And so, but here's the thing that I'm, I'm thinking. You have Adam. He's naming and he's noticing that they all have a counterpart, male and female. They all have a counterpart. They all have a helper suitable for each other, male and female. By the way, just side note, I have to say this. Um... I don't want to get sidetracked, but I have to say this. Like, we, we, we live in a time where that reality, that truth right there is being challenged to the core. It's almost heavy to talk about it, right? We live in a time where there is so much deception, and it's reached into the church to where people are actually believing the homosexual lie. And I am not. Judging, I think one thing as us in here, as believers, we need to be careful that we never, ever partner with the accuser of the brethren, the devil himself. We never partner with him and, and, and uh, speak lies and judgment on those who are struggling or who or, or are confused about their identity. It's not that we have to love them. Like, I mean that with all my heart, but it's so hard because when you bring things like this to the light, like stuff gets put up and just like, hey, 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 you know. But it's so clear, a male and a female reproduce. Can't have it any way. You can't reproduce with a male and a male, female and female. You can't. It's just, it's just the truth. And you have the enemy comes in with something called the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, He has the ability to give you a deceitful desire. And then, and then you own it for yourself. You have this thought and you think all of a sudden, well, I've always felt this way. I've, what if I would use that? for my own things that I dealt with that were sin? What if I said, well, you know what? Ever since a little boy, I just lusted after women. I can't help it. Like, think about what I'm saying here. Like, it's so true. What if I use that as an excuse? It's no different. It's a sin is a sin, right? And anyways, I don't want to hit that. I don't want to stay there, but I just thought I'd throw that out there because just we're living in a time where it's, it's, it's challenging um, this reality. And so anyway, so back to what I was saying, Adam is, is there. 
and he sees the animals. He's naming them, male and female. And all of a sudden, it's as if this desire comes in his heart. And he's saying, wait a second. I don't have one of myself. Like, wh where's my helper? Where's my suitable partner? Where's my uh, a person that's fit for me? And it's as if God sees that and says, again, I'm, I'm just... I'm just like, this is, what, this is the, what happens when you meditate and when you just think about what it could have been like. And it's almost like God is like, now he's ready. Let's give him his helper. You see that desire that just was birthed? Now he's ready. And, the, and God puts him to sleep. And we know the story. Out of his rib comes Eve. Now, side note, this is really cool. A bunch of side notes today because just, it just goes everywhere. Sorry, it all, it all links together. It all links together. Um, there's so many prophetic pictures. Uh, that right there, when Jesus was on the cross and, and they, they speared him in his side, water and blood come out. And that spear in his side was a prophetic indication of when Jesus would go down, quote unquote, sleep in the grave, and he would raise again on the third day, and what would come out of his side? A bride. A bride. That is so Good. And later in Ephesians 5, Paul would quote, and it's, and it's interesting because in here, let's go down. They actually quote in Genesis 2 verse 24, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife and they become one flesh. And later on in Ephesians 5, Paul would quote that and he would talk about marriage and he would say, this is a great mystery, but I speak of Christ and the church. He would actually say, because marriage was always meant to be just a, a, a correlation between man and God. And when I say man, I mean man and women. I mean mankind, human beings and God. It was marriage was always, it was God's idea. Intimacy, God's idea. Marriage, closeness, union. And so Paul's like, hey, he's giving like counseling and he's saying this wives do this husbands love your wives like christ of the church and he goes a man shall leave and he goes but i'm actually speaking of christ and the church you know what i do there i think i've told you guys before i like to personalize the bible i will put my name in it i cross out church in my own personal bible and i write my name moses and i'll read it like this this is a great mystery but i am speaking as christ and moses it's so good when you, when you personalize it like that to where you actually realize you have become one flesh. You're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Like you are in such union and proximity with him. This means everything, guys, because as, as I continue in this message, it means everything. It is your freedom. It is your freedom from sin. It is your freedom from circumstances. It is your freedom from your perspective on how you view your circumstances. It's all in him. It is all in Christ. And so here's the thing that I felt, oh, this, this just, just wrecked my heart. So like I'm saying, how he causes, he caused that desire to come up with Adam as he brought all the other uh, um, animals and stuff to him and he's naming them. And I felt the Lord say, you know that that's the same, what did he say? I'm trying to remember how, how I heard it in my mind. That's the same way I created you. 
And here's what I got. I got this picture. I didn't have this, no, I didn't have this open vision and I didn't see God or nothing, I wish. But I got this picture in my mind of God standing in the balcony of heaven. And he's looking at everything that he's created before he, he makes the earth. And he's seeing all the heavenly beings and he's seeing the helpers and the seraphim. And, it, and yet there's no suitable helper for him. Now, he wasn't alone. It says that it's not good that man remain alone. He wasn't alone. He exists in three, and he's all satisfied within himself. But still, in the desire of God, he's looking at creation, and he feels this desire. I want to share this with someone. I want to share all of this because there's no one that can house God. That's the thing. There's no creature. There's no creation that can actually that, that can experience his love the way that we can. The angels he calls servants. His people, yes, we are servants, but we are more than that. We are his sons and daughters. We are his bride. And so I felt like all of a sudden I see God and saying, I have no helper suitable for me. And then it's from that desire that he would say, let us make man in our image. I love that. Let us make man in our image. Okay, in the very last scripture of Genesis 2, as, uh, before we go into Genesis 3. Genesis 2, verse 25. This is key. I want you to remember this. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Just remember that. That's interesting, because that's, that's where we're going to go here, as we would see what the fruit of the first, the first like effect of sin was this shame that caused as man realized he was naked. Let's keep going. Chapter 3. So I'm not going to, just for the sake of time, I won't read it all, but so you have Eve in the garden. My question is, Adam, where in the world are you? <laughs> I don't know. He's supposed to be ruling everything. And somehow the enemy sees a, he, the enemy sees the command. So now all of a sudden there's the ability for man to disobey, so he takes advantage. And Adam is being passive and he's not there. And here, here the enemy finds Eve in this vulnerable time and starts to talk to her, right? Starts to like tempt her. So then you guys know the story. She takes up the fruit and she gives to her husband. Now check this. Now, so now I'm in uh, Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The eyes of both were opened. So that right there is a direct correlation between the death that God was talking about was directly related to their eyes being opened. So if their eyes were opened, that means that before their eyes were closed. Not physically, but to something. Because see, what happened was God never intended man to have this knowledge or else he would have made us like it, right? It says that he made us in his image and in his likeness, but not all the way. There was something that he purposely left out. And it was this knowledge of good and evil. He never want, we were never meant to sit in the seat of judgment that God has alone. We were never meant to judge ourselves and to judge each other apart from relationship and through the eyes of flesh. So you're going to see this. Though this was talking about a physical nakedness, it, it, it transfers into our time as, I guess you can say, a, a, 
a spiritual nakedness, I don't know, or a nakedness of the flesh to where we judge ourselves, we see our own weaknesses and our shortcomings, and look what, what, what the result would be. We would hide from God. And in the hiding from God is where everything opens up. It's the hiding from God. So this whole message is about, that's why I titled it, Where Are You? Where are you? I'm going to show you guys through scripture that the first question that God asked sinful man, man that had fallen and rebelled, the first question was not, you know, yeah, what's wrong with you? Or, oh, I knew it. The first question is, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Adam? Look at this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. What did God sound like? I read that and I'm like, what did that sound like? What did it sound like for God to just like just make his way in the garden? That's amazing. Um, And check this out. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid. And and you're going to see so clear in Scripture as why they hid. Verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So I imagine we don't know how long it was before they fell. It doesn't say. But I imagine God and, and mankind having this union and quality of life that was unmatched. And, you know, to this point, Adam has, Adam's eyes are not on himself. He doesn't even know good and evil. He doesn't know any of that. All he knows is God and all he sees is God. It's good. Everything is good. He has no idea. So therefore, there's no hiding. There's no running. There's no standard. He's just being. And and that's where God wants to take the Christian today. He just wants to take us to a place of being. And to stop looking at where we think we look at ourselves in the mirror, sometimes physically, other times just like, and we judge ourselves, and the shame comes, and then we hide. I know that life all too well. I know that life all too well. I I ran from God in my heart for so long. I mean, I've been in relationship now with God for 15 years or so. And for 11 or 12 of those years was me playing hide and seek, not knowing who I was. Oh, it's horrible. All the while, you know, I was, I was talking to Donnie about this, and I, and I said, I want to, I just keep wanting to stay there. Where are you? Where are you? I just, I feel something there. And then Donnie right away, because he's creative, so he just comes up right away. He's like, you know what? Most people are always asking, God, where are you? And God is asking us that question. Where are you? It's always, God, where are you? God's like, I'm right here. Where are you? That's so good, right? Yeah, Donnie told me that the other day. And so I like this. God comes in the garden, and usually imagine him going to a place that he was used to meeting mankind, his meeting place. He's coming into the garden. He's strolling, and he's waiting for, to pick up his boy to just go do whatever they did. I don't know. And all of a sudden, he goes, and they're not there, or he's not there. Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Now, he's God, so he knows, right? He knows what happened. He was watching. He knows what's going on. But he's asking the question to draw Adam out. Adam, where are you? You should be here with me now. Why are you not here with me? Where are you? And Adam would respond, 
He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I disobeyed. No, it doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I was afraid. Hey, he's like, hey, God, you know that tree you told me not to eat? Oh, I mean, later on he would say it, but that tree, his first response was not that tree you told me not to eat. I ate it. I messed up, God. No, look what it says. It says that I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. The source of his fear was his nakedness to where now he eats the fruit and his eyes are opened, and then all of a sudden, him and, him and uh, Eve's eyes are opened. They're shut to God. They're open to themselves. Sin enters in, and now they're looking at themselves. And, and I can just imagine the enemy, because this is what he does. He tempts us. He tempts us. He tempts us. He says, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. Oh, and then you give in, and then he crushes you and says, oh, it's so big. You'll never be forgotten. And he pounds you. Condemnation. Isn't it true? It's so, it's how the enemy does. So I imagine him just there and just go ahead, Eve, hurry up, eat that, eat that, eat that fruit, Eve, do it. And he's doing it. And all of a sudden they eat it. Their eyes are open. And he's like, Hey, Adam, you're naked, man. That's bad. Adam looks at himself. He looks at himself. They look at each other. They realize they're naked. They're full of shame. They were always naked. Covered in his glory, the glory of God was their clothes. He was, they were always without clothes. It wasn't bad in and of itself to be without clothes because that's how God made them. But they look at themselves, they're full of shame, and instead of running to God, they are hiding from their creator, the one whom the first time Adam's, Adam opens his eyes in creation, when God creates him, the first time he breathes the breath of, breath of life, he opens his eyes and Abba is there. And all of a sudden, he's running from him. So imagine the hurt of God the Father. Imagine the hurt, excuse me, the hurt of God. I have, I have, most of you know I have four kids. And when I get home from work, they all greet me loud. Right, babe? They all like, they see my car. And they're like, daddy, like that, you know. And, and it's so, it's, oh, it's just been one of my, my prides every time. I mean, I just love it. I come home, I love being greeted by them. And it's funny, because right now, like, my little one, Nathaniel, he's two years old, and, you know, he's just the most innocent right now, so I'll use him as this example. And he just, every time, Daddy, it's like it's the same reality, right, guys? I come home, I'm looking for my boy. Where is he? And if he's not there, right, if he's in the room, I'll ask, I'll ask Melanie, where's Nathaniel? Like, I want to be with him, and he'll have me hold him for like 15 minutes. He doesn't want me to put him down when I get home. It's the same reality. There's this innocence. He loves his dad, so when I get home, daddy, he's waiting for me in the secret room, in the, in the place of meeting, I would call it. It's the same thing. God has a heart. He's not robotic. He's not just, what's, what do you call, stoic, just up there, just... And this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and he wasn't just waiting for mankind to fall. He has a heart that loves his people, and he's looking for his boy, and his boy's not there, and the woman's not there because they're hiding in shame. I just believe that God asked us, he, he asks us, it's hard for me to say that, he asks us to, to <laughs> ask us. <laughs> I know, it sounds like I'm going to say the other thing. Um, it, so he... I can't say it anyways. Um, that question, where are you? Where are you? Don't hide from me. In, in whatever you're dealing with, 
whether it's a sin or a circumstance, where are you? Like, hiding from me is the worst thing you can do. Hiding from God is the worst thing we can do. And what, what I love is, as he keeps going, so, he, so you guys know he ends up addressing the situation. And what happens is, it's interesting. Right away, as he gets down to the situation, he asks Eve, what is this you've done? You, or, or ask Adam, what you've done? The woman you gave me, da-da-da-da, the blame game that we talked about already. He does that, and then he gets to the enemy and, and pronounces a direct curse on the enemy. The enemy goes from most crafty in the land to most cursed in the land. He curses him, curses the enemy, and just puts all of his anger on the enemy goes over to the woman and talks about increasing the childbearing because there has to be consequences. It was, it was, there has to be some sort of consequences to the disobedient. But what's interesting is he didn't like curse man directly. Like even later as he's talking to Adam, he doesn't say, Adam, I curse you. He says, cursed is the ground because of you. The ground becomes cursed to where now Adam has to work hard, sweat, and now, now there's weeds growing in the garden. Now it's no longer just easy for him. Now what was supposed to be easy and a good work is now hard and toil. He's plucking weeds. He's doing this, whatever he has to do. Thorns and thistles, it says, all this stuff you will, by the, by the sweat of your brow, a curse comes on the land. Where are you? Then in verse 21, he would say, Then the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. That is so cool. That is God showing compassion after he already has to take them out of the garden, which was an act of compassion, because if they would have remained in the garden and eaten from the tree of life, after, after being in that condition, they would remain in that condition forever. No hope. So he's like, okay, now we got to kick, kick them out, pretty much. we got to take them out of this garden that we made them. But later on, this would be another prophetic symbolism of God providing the sacrifice. That God would sacrifice, would make the first sacrifice, and put garments of skin, and God would be the one to clothe man. So that now, if they look at themselves, they're no longer able to judge themselves unworthy. They would be reminded of, this is, the, this is the day that God clothed me. You get it? This is the day that God, with his own hands, came, made a sacrifice, and clothed me. And it would be symbolic of one day, clothing us in his righteousness. And that's, and that's the thing that I just want to just hit right there is as I've been hitting this whole, this whole time and worship team can come up, I'm, I'm going to wrap up here soon, is so why, Mo, why, what's, what's the point? What's the point of this message? The where are you? The point is I'm trying to get rid of anything that hinders you being intimate and close with God. Like that's always my goal is to see, it's because you can see with someone's perspective when they're dealing with something or, 
or um, whatever the case may be, whatever they're going with, and their response to that situation always reveals a lack of intimacy. It, it just does. I know for myself, if I've not been in the secret place with God, if I've not been uh, feeding on his word in his presence, the situations and everything that hits us in life and all that, it just, it's, it's magnified and it's so much stronger. And, and it's, but the point of this is to realize we are not to judge ourselves in the flesh, in our own weakness, and look at ourselves and say, that's bad. But to realize that if you're born again and if you're a believer, you are literally clothed with the righteousness of God. We are clothed with his righteousness. Now we're able to experience that same garden reality in this life right now. We may not see with our physical eyes. We may not see with our physical eyes everything right now. But we have complete access to God once again. When we judge ourselves falsely and look at our own flesh, we disqualify ourselves from that garden experience. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.